Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. So Steve, after taking a Sabbath rest... I feel rested. I feel rested. I, I feel so rested. Mm-hmm. I love my Sabbath. And when I've gotten a whole week of it, I mean, it's even better. Um, so last week we started a new series on, uh, on Sabbath and the idea of rest and where it shows up in the Old Testament. And we looked at passages from Genesis and Exodus and even looked at the prophets and what they had to say about... Um, the people's lack of taking Sabbath, especially mm-hmm. um, the, the year of rest for the land and, and the 50-year jubilee. So now uh, it seems only good and right for us to move forward and, and look at the New Testament and see what Jesus has to say about this commandment and how he practiced it and how he taught his followers to practice it. Yeah. So where do we want to start in our New, our New Testament conversation? Yeah, well, okay, so let, let's, maybe we should flash forward a little bit and say, okay... We, where, we last left our, where we last left our heroes, the people uh, were in exile and coming back from exile, supposedly having learned the lesson. We went into exile because we didn't keep Sabbath well. We went into exile because we didn't let the land rest. We went into exile because we didn't let take all those Sabbath years. Jeremiah told us God's going to make the land rest. And like often happens, when um, you learn a lesson from experience... Sometimes the pendulum swings so far in the other direction that you become yes. like uh, ruled by fear in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So on the other side of exile, I mean, this this happened in, in a whole bunch of different ways in, in uh, second what's called Second Temple Judaism. When they came back from exile, eventually they built a, a renewed temple that's called Second Temple Judaism. And in that era, one of the wrestlings they had to do was, okay, we're back from exile. God allowed some portion of us to come back into the land. We definitely don't want to let that happen again. We think that part of why we went into exile is we broke the covenant. We didn't live by the commandments God had given to us. That wasn't good. So we definitely don't want to break the rules anymore. And one of the movements that emerged out of Second Temple Judaism uh, is a, a movement called Pharisaism. And even though in the, in the Gospels they often appear as uh, the foils or the, the antagonists to Jesus, that may be fair to say, but sometimes we church folk and we preachers have a way of making them into mustache-twirling villains, like they you know, hated God and you know, all wore black hats. That's not, that's not really fair to them. They were trying to learn the lesson of the exile. We don't want to go into exile again. We want to keep the rules. And part of the Pharisees' approach to dealing with uh, the commandments and the law was, all right, we're going to be so strict about the rules, we're going to even enforce beyond what the commandments say, so we don't accidentally break the rules. We're going to make rules for the rules. Right, right, right. They, they called it building a fence around the law, the idea of, well, if the commandment was um, don't work on the Sabbath, we're going to go even further and say um, don't even walk down to this corner store on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the commandment was um, you know, uh, don't be a sinner, we're going to don't even associate with sinner. I mean, there was that sort of, and again, you get you get kind of the notion. We tend to do that kind of thing. If, if you were a, a wise and careful driver, I've known uh, and loved a number of people like this uh, in my lifetime who are so afraid or so concerned not to run out of gas that when the gas gauge gets at half tank or less, they're immediately looking for uh, a gas station. I get it. I get that impulse. Are, are you are you are you laughing because you know such a person? <laughs> I am such a person. <laughs> well, the first step is admitting. Uh, <laughs> And I get it. If you've ever been somebody who's been stranded by the side of the road, you learn that lesson. I'm not going to do that again. And it's not that it's a bad idea to have a rule. Uh, And and even setting a practice up, I'm going to make sure I don't get stranded by the side of the road. This is an easy one I can prevent. I just will get gas on that half full instead of uh, all the way breathing on fumes. That's smart. The difficulty was, after enough years of it, 
the Pharisee mindset had become this sort of had forgotten that the tank really wasn't empty at half full. It's not the end of the world. You've got yeah. a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, and had treated it sort of like, oh my goodness, if you cross, if you don't get gas the moment you're at that. Uh, because the, the difficulty about a fence around the law is you start wanting to build fences around the fences around the fences. And before long, it's, well, because the line is really at half a tank, i got to refill it three quarters of a tank. And oh, that, then, then it's like, I drove two feet today, i got to go get <laughs> gas. You're burning gas just to go get more gas. And I mean that's a bit of a caricature, but at its extreme, the Pharisee position on Sabbath became something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so you get uh, scenes in the gospel stories where Jesus encounters somebody who is sick, who is hurting, who is uh, has a, a, a chronic medical condition or something mm-hmm. like that. And sometimes Jesus seems to uh, serendipitously stumble into it, and sometimes the Pharisees and their mustache twirling black hat ways <laughs> set up a trap for Jesus, and they'll, or at least the gospel text will say the Pharisees watched to see what Jesus would do because it was the Sabbath. And okay, w- g- give us the short version. What, what happens in those encounters? Jesus does what the Pharisees consider work. Yeah, he, he, he whether it's healing somebody, whether it's uh, casting out a demon, whatever it is. Jesus Chicken grain and eating it. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, he does things that go against the law around the law. Right, right. And the rule keeping Pharisees, again, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they are trying deeply to be faithful to the God whom they love. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is not opposed to them because they're anti God and he's pro God. It's that they have uh, they have thrown the baby out with the bathwater yeah. or they have missed the forest with the trees. And that the commandment was always about giving life. And that's what Jesus keeps calling not only Pharisees to, but uh, 21st century Christians to, and 1st century followers of Jesus in between, that it's Jesus, it's not even fair to say he reinterprets Sabbath as though he gives it a new meaning. Jesus is trying to say, this is what it was all about all along. Yeah. yeah um, what's his quote? Sabbath, man was made for the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. Right, right. And that, that sort of gets back to our conversation last time about Genesis 1. That at the mm-hmm. beginning, when God makes creation, it's not that God says, I've invented the structure called Sabbath, and I'll make creations that have to live by this rule so much as I, the creation I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make are rechargeable, but they need to be recharged. Mm-hmm. I'll create this structure that will be for their well-being. Yes. And that it's not that God needs us to keep the Sabbath or else the universe will fall apart. Just the opposite. We need to learn the universe won't fall apart even when we take the day of rest. Yes. So Jesus helpfully clarifies what should have been clear, but we're stinkers and we tend to be greedy and focused on uh, how can I make more, uh, more of a buck or so, so focused on the rules. Jesus says it was never about uh, an ironclad, hard and fast, like you're not allowed to do this or else God will zap you. It was more about Sabbath was always meant, always meant to preserve and give life. Yeah. So Jesus gives the example regularly when he's in one of these showdowns, when he's about to or has just healed somebody. Um, Jesus will say something like, if one of you has a donkey or an ox or something like that and it falls in the ditch on the Sabbath day, are you going to be a jerk and let it die, suffer you know, with a broken leg there in the ditch because of your rule? Or wouldn't you go and help it? Mm-hmm. Well, if you would help your own animal, you selfish jerks. Uh, that's that's a textual variance in the Steve Steve translation, uh, but it's sort of implied. If you would do that for your animal, why wouldn't you do that for a fellow human being who's made in the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about Jesus in in these Sabbath confrontations, I, I have to admit, I've come to appreciate it over the years in a way that I, it might have scared me at, at, earlier in my life. Is that sometimes Jesus seems intentionally 
to set up showdowns in these moments. As much as sometimes the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, there are times where Jesus picks his moment and knows it's going to be a thumb in the eye for the Pharisees who are watching. Right? So there's this scene in Luke's Gospel where uh, there's a man with a withered hand, and you know, the, the, the narrator that Luke says, you know, and everybody's watching to see what he'll do. Jesus absolutely could have said to the guy with the withered hand, he's not dying, he's not bleeding to death, this is a condition he's lived with all his life. Jesus could have easily said, come back tomorrow, I'll totally help you out. Or he could have even on the down low just sort of said, Psst, when service is done, meet me out back by the back door, I'll heal then, just don't tell anybody. I mean, Jesus is all the time telling people, don't tell what I just did for you. So he could have done that too. But there in public with everybody watching, Jesus heals the person and then turns to the crowd and says, and to the Pharisees who are listening, like, I did this provocatively intentionally so that you all would be clear about like what Sabbath has always been about. Jesus isn't afraid to upset people. Jesus isn't afraid to offend people, especially in situations where somebody's um, uh, being treated like they're less than human. I mean, here, here's the poor sick guy with a withered hand. Here's the, the woman who's, who's uh, crippled. And Jesus deliberately, provocatively heals them in a way to say, this person matters, you know. And, and uh, well, isn't there the one line where it says, you know, isn't this daughter of Abraham who's been crippled up for uh, however many, 17 years or whatever it is, isn't she, shouldn't she be set free on the Sabbath day? Jesus recaptures that sense that Sabbath is always about freedom. I mean, it goes back to slavery in Egypt. It was about being free and not being stuck in uh, permanent work mode and permanent slavery mode. That Sabbath is always about being set free. And because Sabbath was was the day of worship mm-hmm. for the Jews, how, how appropriate it would it be for Jesus to heal these people, people that would not have been allowed in the temple right. because of their condition? Right. Well, let's heal them on the Sabbath so then they can go and immediately go and worship. Right, right. That's an important piece to that. It, it's somewhere along the way. We talked last time that Sabbath seems to begin in the Old Testament as first and foremost rest. And at some point, someone had the bright idea, we should thank the God who gave us his day of rest. And isn't like Pharaoh who said that we had to work all the time. Uh, and so Sabbath becomes this point of gathering and worship. Uh, the, the temple is that one central place in Jerusalem where they'd go for annual festivals, but the, especially after exile and after the, the people of Israel get scattered and become sort of the scattered diaspora of Judaism, the synagogue becomes this local mm-hmm. gathering place, and Sabbath becomes the day they'd gather, they'd read from their copy of the scriptures, the rabbi would get up and give a, a sermon basically on it, and they would pray, this became their, their common Sabbath worship experience, and and that's a later innovation, but Jesus sort of says this is this is appropriate. That part of what what worship should all be about is about giving life and preserving life. So, um, so Jesus intends to uh, say that that uh, this worship and and Sabbath thing can go together. Mm-hmm. We should maybe be clear though. In the earliest, earliest, earliest days of the church of the Christian community, when the first followers of Jesus were all Jewish. Um, they kept Sabbath and also worshipped Jesus in different ways, right? Yes. So, and you get this in the early, early chapters of Acts, they would gather on the Sabbath, it'll say, they'd gather for, you know, worshiping, breaking the bread or whatever like that, and on the Lord's Day, Mm -hmm. on the first day of the week, they would gather and they'd worship Jesus as well. They didn't see these as incompatible, and they didn't say, well, we're going to skip taking a day off, we're just going to get it in the early service on Sunday morning. They did both. They would Mm -hmm. rest and they would worship Jesus, right? Yes. Uh, so that's an important maybe notion for us to be clear about, that while sometimes Christians or religious groups can get fussy about what day of the week it is, and we can have that conversation as well, it's important to note that in Judaism, the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, and what we would translate as Saturday, sort of the end of the week, and the beginning of the new week is the day that Christians would gather, often before sunrise, 
to, to gather and worship in a particularly uniquely Christian way. Why do Christians worship on the first day of the week? Why why did they make that switch? Because of the resurrection. Right, right, right. Like this is a, this the is resurrection Easter, happened this, on a Sunday. This is an Easter thing, right? So yeah. this is a and that that maybe is an important thing for us to be clear about because I think I grew up with this sort of like well at some point uh, Christians decided they're starting their own brand they decided they should have a different worship day just to make their their brand unique and it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a consumer decision like that it was yeah day of rest important do the day of rest thing and worship Jesus and the fundamental event of our life as Christians is the resurrection of Jesus and the beginning of a new creation and the first day of a new week a new week of creation a new creation itself uh, that's why Christians gathered on Sundays. It wasn't meant to be a slap in the face of Sabbath to say Sabbath no longer important. Yeah. We're just going to do the early service on Sunday. But both of these are important rhythms to Christian life. But yet, over the centuries, they've kind of melded into one. Yeah, another. yeah, and and it may be worth it for us to say. That's okay. It, it, it's, it's all right that Sabbath uh, can happen, or that rest can happen, and you can go to church. I, I hope for many people the experience of being in worship is a rejuvenating, life-giving kind of a thing. And where it isn't, that maybe falls back to us as worship leaders to be like, what are we doing that's making it so terrible and horrible yeah. uh, that is not life-giving? And if, if, if it feels like it's become this rigorous, monotonous, tedious chore, we should maybe re-examine how we're doing things. Uh, but yeah, okay, so it's okay that Sabbath and worship happen uh, on the same day for people. But we should be clear that there's two things happening. And if they happen mm. to occur in the same 24-hour span... Fine. But that those are, in some sense, two separate things. And the, the commandment, um, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, wasn't first and foremost meant you need to sit in the pew for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning uh, and thereby you will earn your grace for the next week by singing enough hymns and giving your offering. First and foremost, Sabbath is, is about receiving. It's about mm-hmm. receiving rest. And like we've talked before, we had a series on, on worship, that, that worship itself is surprisingly sometimes... Uh, about God giving gifts to us. Just when we think it's here, God, we're going to give you these songs. We're going to give you these prayers. Aren't we great? Aren't you impressed with us? We sang our songs. And instead it turns out to be, look, I'm feeding you the bread. I'm giving you the word. I'm mm-hmm. giving you these gifts of peace and forgiveness, all that kind of business. We sometimes forget that and treat church as one more chore. And once I've done my chores, then I'm allowed to go watch football <laughs> or lay in the grass or whatever. Uh, and it, it was never meant to be that way. So... Uh, we should be clear, too, that over the centuries, we've now had 20-some centuries for Christianity trying to figure out how to deal with this Sabbath business. And sometimes we've done decently at it, and sometimes we've ended up being so... The pendulum swings back in another direction, and we go, well, Jesus is against all those Pharisees who are being so fussy about the Sabbath. Jesus must think we're not supposed to take the Sabbath at all anymore because Jesus said it's not important. Are, are, are we on the right track then? Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> oh my goodness, no. Because if we remember, you know, the Sabbath was outside of the Genesis account. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time it was commanded to us is part of the big pen. Mm-hmm. You know, and all those other ones we keep. So why would we say that all of a sudden, you know, we don't have to keep the Sabbath? Yeah, yeah. That's an important notion that, that the the Sabbath does arise uh, in the Genesis, in the Exodus story, rather, out of... Uh, the Ten Commandments, and that gives it a place of not just an optional thing, and not. And it's harder to make a case like it's one of those ceremonial laws that Christians don't have to keep. I mean, yeah. And again, Christians certainly did make some decisions following the example of Jesus that some of the laws of Israel 
were not universally applicable. The, the early church really, really wrestled with things like, do we all have to keep kosher? Are we allowed to have pork chops and bacon? Can we have bacon cheeseburgers? Uh, the early church had to wrestle with, do we have to make everybody keep the Old Testament commandments like circumcision? Does that have to happen? Uh, am I allowed to wear cotton and polyester at the same time? Um, there's a commandment against two kinds of fabric uh, being worn at the same time. Uh, and, okay... If, if some of those laws are not for all times and all places, is Sabbath like that? And I think it's a hard case to make that Sabbath is no longer important anymore. Oh, goodness, no. Because, again, the intention of Sabbath was to give us something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's to give us rest so that we don't burn out. Yeah. We can burn out, but without burning out. And, and the idea, too, that... Um, Sabbath does make us distinctive. It does set us apart. Mm-hmm. And that's not something to be afraid of. I think there have been times in Christian history, uh, maybe it became really, really, really tempting after um, we became the official imperial religion after Constantine, to sort of do things like Christians aren't supposed to blend in. We're the majority. We just do whatever. Everybody in society does what we do. We're the church. We call the shots. And we sort of lost that sense of it being okay or maybe a good thing to be countercultural and distinctive. Mm-hmm. Once, once the empire um, made Christianity their mascot, uh, it sort of became, you're not supposed to be distinctive, you're just supposed to toe the party line, empire will endorse you, church, and you just don't you know, mm-hmm. be distinctive anymore. Um, but it's okay that Sabbath might make us seem out of touch or out of step, because the rest of the world is going to do what it always did back in Old Testament Israel, of saying, nope, we got to make a buck. It's more important yep. to make more money. Don't take the time off. Don't take the time to rest. Work, 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 work. Your value depends on how many widgets you have made today. And it's okay. It's a good thing for the Christian community to be that voice. Again, along with still Sabbath-keeping uh, Judaism as well, which continues mm-hmm. to keep Sabbath way better than most Christians do, <laughs> um, of, of saying, nope, part of our resistance against that wider cultures need to always accumulate, always to make, always to produce, always to consume. Sometimes we rest. I don't produce, I don't consume, I just rest. And it's okay if that sets us apart. It's, it's maybe a good thing and a reminder that we're supposed to be distinctive that way, like salt, like light. Hmm, I think I've heard those before, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the early church uh, had to wrestle. It seems like there are places in the New Testament where there's um, maybe a reminder don't pretend that the Sabbath day is magically holy or something like that. You'll get in Colossians, mm-hmm. things like, you know, don't worry about people who keep more festivals or Sabbaths than you do. it. Don't make a big deal about it. The early church seems to have been in that place of wrestling, trying to figure out, okay, Sabbath, important, but it's not one of those things I'm not supposed to leave my ox lying in the ditch for. I mean, it's a, they observed it, but they also kept the first day of the week. No wonder, maybe, that for 2,000 years we've been kind of muddled on Am I supposed to or not supposed to keep the Sabbath? Is it a good and Christian right thing to just think I just keep on working, 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 working because Protestant work ethic and all that kind of business? I mean, there were there were hundreds of years, centuries, where th- that was sort of the thinking of yeah. taking time off. That's laziness. Good, good, faithful people will keep on working, and when they're done working, they'll say, can I do some more, please? Uh, and that's how you show you're the elect of God. Uh, or at least we misheard it that way. We sort of treated it in that sort of uh, uh, glib, uh, uh, incorrect way. But... Deep down, Jesus doesn't seem to be anti-Sabbath so much as Sabbath for the right reasons. And if you're yeah. doing Sabbath in the mm-hmm. wrong way, if it becomes this sort of legalistic, sort of a, I'm not allowed to help my neighbor because, uh, the rule says, I'm not allowed to do CPR on somebody because it's the Sabbath or mm-hmm. something like that. N- no, uh, Sabbath is about giving life. And it's about what gives life to me, but also about what gives life to the neighbor. Mm-hmm. And that maybe come, brings us back to that notion we talked last time with Sabbath, that Sabbath is both the good news of you get to rest, but it's also the call and commission of the people who are under your responsibility are supposed to get to rest too. 
So uh, the Sabbath is not just um, the bosses, you get to take the day off, but your uh, employees have to, you know, they, they, they don't get time off, but mm-hmm. no, everybody's supposed to be able to get rest. Uh, and so the early church had to figure out, okay, Sabbath's not an optional thing, not for me, but also for the people with whom I work, they need to have time for rest as well. So then what do we do with our Sabbath now, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because we, we talked about the Pharisees and how they put these laws and, and these laws around the laws around the laws and... You know, it was, you know, you could only take so many steps and you could tie <laughs> this kind of knot, but not this kind of knot because right. that took more work. And so that was considered work. And, you know, you weren't allowed to even light a fire to cook your meal. You had to cook all your food the day before. Right. And in the time before refrigerators, I mean, that's a big commitment. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what does it look like now for us, you know, to not go back down that legalistic path of right. saying, well, you know, you can only do X, Y, and Z and you can't do... You know, this, that, and the other. Right. And maybe this is one of those times where I'm going to borrow a, a, an image from C.S. Lewis. He talks about there's times where there's a ditch on either side of the road. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's this middle course where you're getting it right, and either way, on either extreme, if the, the pendulum swings too far in either direction, you've lost something or you, you've mm-hmm. made uh, opposite errors. And on the one hand, uh, I mean, you, you even see it playing out there in the New Testament. On the one hand, there's the temptation to say... Um, we have to keep the Sabbath, and we were so strict about it because we're so, so worried that God's going to zap us for not keeping Sabbath long enough, so we become sort of like the Pharisees at their worst, of don't help out the neighbor, or don't heal the person on the Sabbath mm-hmm. because they're sick, tell them to wait another day and suffer. We can be so strict about it. And on the other hand, the, the other opposite danger can be, Sabbath doesn't matter at all, Jesus abolished the Sabbath, and therefore we're not supposed to have Sabbath anymore, don't take rest, work, 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 because just go to church on Sunday mornings, and then, as soon as you're done with Sunday lunch, get back to work. work. <laughs> yep. um, and maybe both of those are uh, errors, are places where you fall mm-hmm. into the pit, but in the middle, there's got to be some place, and it's not, it's not a middle in the sense of compromise, it's not mm-hmm. like, well, half of this and half of that, but more, Jesus seems to be thinking, that central place is that space of life-giving. And that Sabbath is in some ways about creating, not a fence around the law, but a safe space with boundaries in time, that this is space where you can be renewed. Um, and you can trust that there will be a day, there will be a day each week where you're able to be renewed and to be refreshed and to be recharged. And that's good. And it's good to know you can count on that. Mm-hmm. So that on the one hand, maybe we need to have some kind of mutual commitment to one another, that we will seek to live lives that have that rhythm of rest and work. Not just because uh, I need it, but because other people don't want to be around me when I'm tired and cranky. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a helpful worker. I mean, for that matter, you know, productivity suffers. I'm not, I'm not a good worker mm-hmm. when I haven't rested, as well as I need to give other people their time to rest as well. So there's this sense of concern for the neighbor behind Sabbath, too. So then do we all covenant together to keep the same day, or can... Does it vary from person to person? I mean, you know, I, looking at us, we're both pastors. Yeah. So, I mean, if we say Sunday is Sabbath day, um, yeah, that doesn't work for us. Yeah, and that's an important thing for us to, to uh, again, it, 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 we, can, we can have this conversation if we remember that worship and rest are two separate things that can happen on the same day but don't have to happen on yeah. the same day. So, yeah, uh, for folks whose job involves worship, leadership, and other Sunday obligations, um, it's important to say just because you were in a church building and it was Sunday doesn't mean it was restful for you yeah. and that one is not uh, off the hook for needing rest, which is a funny thing to say, but mm-hmm. sometimes we need to be reminded this is not an option. This is for the sake of other people who have to be around you. I need to have rest. Yeah. And for the sake of other people, each of us needs to have that rest. So, yeah, that... that uh, we may need to talk about how Sabbath 
functions in a world like ours, in a culture like ours, where there are not only people who work on Sunday because they're preachers, uh, but there's a whole lot of other things that need to happen mm -hmm. and that need to be available to people 24-7. Right, there's police, EMTs, firemen, you know, and there's so many things. Hospital workers, I mean, hospitals can't shut down. Right. One day a week. Right, right. Nursing homes can't shut down. Yeah. The police department can't shut down. Yeah. So, I mean, how do we kind of make that, is that... You know, is God allowing us then to kind right, of right, right? So here, here may here I may mean, be a place where we should say this is, as Paul would say, one of those "I'm not the Lord" kind of moments. That like uh -huh. we we are now moving beyond the territory of I've got a hard and fast rule about it. And maybe the temptation the Pharisees always faced was it is easier in some cases just to have a rule. You know, like here's a hard and fast rule: I always get gas when the when the needles at half empty, and I never ever ever break that rule. Okay, but what if what if there's some emergency and you have the choice of either I get gas because I'm right at halfway or I go help out the person who's bleeding and dying? No, nope. I mean that if we, if we can get that 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 we're gonna have to do some critical thinking, and that may mean that here is you and I, Erica, sort of think this out loud. We may arrive at slightly different conclusions than somebody else might. This is not a commandment from Jesus, but I think this is faithful thinking in the spirit of or continuing on the trajectory of the way Jesus treats Sabbath. And that's to say, <clears throat> Jesus insists Sabbath was always about giving and preserving life. So it seems to me that Jesus is okay with the fact that healing might happen on a Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think it's fair to say Jesus doesn't abolish the Sabbath like it doesn't matter, but to say Sabbath was because it was always meant to be about life, has to have enough wiggle room or flexibility about how we understand and practice it, that it doesn't always have to be on the same day for everybody at the same time. And we should say, that is a difference from how things were in Old Testament Israel. Now, that said too, Old Testament Israel doesn't have a thing like a hospital where they had the ability to give life-saving treatment if it would have been administered right mm -hmm. away. I mean, this, is, this is maybe one of those places where technology and medical science and all those things are gifts and wonderful blessings, but they also make our world different than it was uh, in 1000 BC. <laughs> um, and so we have the ability now where if somebody's having a heart attack and you get a defibrillator to them quickly or they get heart surgery, their lives can be preserved and saved. And Jesus seems to me to be in favor of saving and preserving life. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, so that we have to be able to say then, whether we are in a, a culture or society where most people are Christians or not most people are where this, this one doesn't matter exactly, regardless of whether lots of people are going to church or not going to church, we should be able to say, it's okay that not everybody's going to take the same day off and not everybody's going to do Sabbath on the same day. That, that's an important thing to be able to say, right? So, yeah, hospitals and first responders and EMTs and paramedics and police, I mean, those, those are important. Now... That doesn't mean we should say, and those people therefore have to work seven days a weekend, they never get rest. Oh, goodness, no, no. Okay. They need it just as much, you know, as, as your average person. So, okay, how, how do we make a world or, or a system where that happens? I think we just, like, for me personally, you know, my Sabbath obviously is not Sunday, mm -hmm. or, or even Saturday usually for that matter. <laughs> That's when we make up the sermon at 11.55, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Maybe you do. I schedule right now. It sure. wasn't always the case for me in ministry. Mm -hmm. I used to take Mondays. But, you know, we have to make sure... I don't think it's so much when you take the Sabbath, but the idea of taking Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's that place where maybe there's going to be differences person to person um, and 
this, not only what day it is, but some people, for the sake of their need for structure, are going to be like, it's always got to be Wednesday, and that because if, yeah. if I don't keep it that way, it's going to disappear, and I'm going to get a week where I don't get yeah. any, and then it's going to, I'm never going to get any time off, and I'm back to being Pharaoh's Egypt. Yeah. And other people are like, nope, it can't be that way. Life is too crazy or hectic or chaotic. I've got to be able to say at least once every seven days, I've got to have a day mm-hmm. of rest or whatever. But it, this week it might be Tuesday, and again, that's a place where. If we understand that it was never about you have to keep the role or else God's going to zap you, we've got the freedom to be able to say, okay, your practice of Sabbath may look different than my practice of Sabbath. That's an important thing for us to be able to say out loud and to acknowledge so that we don't end up becoming yet a new version of Pharisaism and we end up sort of decreeing, oh, you're a bad Christian because you didn't do it this way or my way. And like, there is that deep-seated human tendency we all do. If you didn't do it my way, you must be wrong. <laughs> where there are some places where we have to be able to say, nope, that's wrong, this is right. And there's other places where we have to be able to say, this is an acceptable way of keeping Sabbath, and that's an acceptable way of keeping Sabbath, and that's an acceptable mm-hmm. way of keeping Sabbath, and maybe I don't need to mess in your business so much. Yeah. But that's a difficult place for a lot of us to be. Yeah, because for some people, keeping Sabbath means like just doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they, they really just need that day where they just binge on Netflix all day and <laughs> uh-huh. just do nothing. Uh-huh. And sometimes that is my Sabbath. Yeah. And sometimes my Sabbath includes cleaning my house and reading a book. Yeah. Because those things, I feel better when my house is clean, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I enjoy reading, right. and so that brings me life, because I enjoy study and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yours might, you know, you're... For me, it's mowing the lawn. I'll just yeah. own it. It, it. I mean, like, I, I would love to have limitless time to read as well, but... Uh, for me, one of those practices that I'm grateful for and almost kind of covetous of is I like that there's time in my week, and this is part of why I like it's easy. It's, it's weird in a way that it's easier for me to get that at least that smidgen of Sabbath rest once a week in the summertime because I know the lawn has to be mowed and it has to be mowed because if it doesn't, we all pay a bigger price later on. It's way too big to mow. Nope, it got to be done. Um, but it's it's funny to me because I found myself I've noticing especially at the beginning of the spring how uh, at the end of mowing the lawn even though I'm at my sweatiest and grungiest perhaps of the previous seven days uh, that's also a place where I feel rested in part it's because the kind of work is different mm-hmm. and the, the the kind of work that at, especially for us as you know religious professionals as church people um, sometimes you know. You may finish a, a Sunday morning worship service, and it may be hard to tell what was just accomplished here. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not like you know uh, someone in construction. Well, at the end of the day, I built this wall. That's what mm-hmm. I. That's what I did. It's harder for us, and so for me at least, getting to the end of mowing the lawn and go, I can see those lovely rings around that tree. I can see those lovely straight lines or whatever. It, it looks better than it did. There's something I've accomplished that is also a little bit kind of mindless too. It's sort yeah. of like my brain can go on autopilot, and I I'm, I'm surprised at like what interesting thoughts sometimes pop in my head while I'm mowing grass. Uh, perhaps some kind of neurologist could tell me about what it's like when you let one part of your brain shut off and the other just sort of is free to ramble. But that's an important recognition. Uh, and I think it's fair to say, I, I think one day Jesus and I will have this conversation, but I, I think uh, it's in the spirit of that, like, that, because it allows me to rest in, in, in a certain sense, that uh, is, is a piece of what Sabbath looks like for me. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, there's also times where I'm really, really grateful just to sit somewhere in a coffee shop and read a cup of coffee and read a book. Mm-hmm. But um, the practice of Sabbath continues to be important, but it, it can look different. And it looks different than, man, when I was a 14-year-old kid, it was my turn to mow the grass. It didn't feel very restful to me then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it, you know, for, for you, mowing the grass is, is Sabbath of the mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it lets your mind just kind of go wherever it wants yeah. to. Uh, and, and that's the same with me for housework. You know, yeah. It doesn't take a lot of thinking for me to throw in a load of laundry and to fold clothes. Yeah. 
I don't always enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's just kind of my, it, it's rest mentally for me because mm-hmm. I think for us, a lot of our work is very mental. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of thought. Where somebody who does a lot of physical work, like a construction worker, their Sabbath might look more like just sitting on the couch and binging on what Netflix. Yeah, than and, rest of the body. And the, yeah, and, and that's an important piece too. The, the, the different kind of work that we do shapes things too. That part of this is sort of us to get into the, the uh, inside baseball with pastoral ministry life, but like. Because it's not shift work, where like I can leave the job and I mm-hmm. clock off, and now I don't have to think about it. There are parts of our of our work life where even when we're not in the office or at a church or at somebody's house, there's always this one on callness, and there's mm-hmm. also always this bunch of other stuff, plates spinning that you have to keep being yeah. mindful of. And part of Sabbath is the reminder that even if I'm not directly attending to those for this space of 24 hours or for this time while I'm mowing the grass. The world won't fall apart, and it reminds us that, to, that we who can sometimes feel like we're God's representatives, that God has entrusted it all to us. No, it turns out God's running the universe just fine without us. I'm reminded of this prayer I once read, uh, I think it was Pope John the Twenty-Third. Supposedly the, the prayer goes something like this, at the end of the day, uh, he would say, Alright God, I'm going to bed, it's your church, you deal with it. Uh, or something <laughs> like that, yeah. maybe it was in Latin. But I mean, that, that gist of like, that... For those who are in the role of even being uh, leaders, servant leaders among God's people, who can be most tempted to be like, no, it's all in me, I must keep it going. That Nope, uh, part of how God humbles us sometimes is the world won't fall apart when you're mowing the grass or folding the laundry or unavailable, uh, and that's important. And that's not just us being selfish, saying, I need some me time. It's a reminder, it's part of what humbles us too, part of what helps us remember I'm not the center of the universe. God always remains the center of the universe. And God will keep the universe going with or without me. <laughs> and the beauty of Sabbath rest I found in the years I've been practicing it is that when I take my Sabbath rest, I have the energy and the willpower and all these other things to do what I need for those other six days. Mm-hmm. When I don't take it, I'm tired, I'm cantankerous, you don't want to be around me. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my work starts suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a few, back in April, I went uh, back to my seminary and got to visit with some friends down there and, and got a chance to preach to a group of seminarians. And I preached on Sabbath. And mm-hmm. I, I told them and I challenged them. I said, you need to start practicing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether these, these folks are going to become preachers, they're going to become missionaries, they're going to become professors, whatever, they're, whatever they end up doing after seminary, you need to practice this now because I promise you, you will... And God's magic math that he does, his mystical math, I should say, not magic. Um, when you take 24 hours off in the week, all of a sudden, like, it seems like you have more time yeah. in the rest of the week. And it's because that you're rested. Yeah. It's yeah. because you've just taken time and you've recharged your body and now you can think clearer and, you know, everything just works better. Yeah, yeah. There's this old anecdote that's told about uh, our older brother in the faith, Martin Luther, who says something like, um, I shall have a very especially difficult day today. I'm going to have to spend the, the first uh, additional three hours in prayer because of it. And that sort of awareness of, it's not, oh, it's going to be tough. I have to skimp on the prayer or the time with God or the rest or whatever. But that's all the more important because we need to be at top of our game yeah. uh, when we're in the midst of things. So, hopefully, in our conversation today, we've been uh, able to at least take a look a little bit about how Jesus doesn't reinvent the Sabbath, but tries to get at what it was meant to be all along, and maybe try to figure out uh, how we in the 21st century, in the age of hospitals and uh, police and cell phones and whatever other modern tech, Sabbath is not only 
uh, allowable but still essential, even if there's flexibility in what it looks yeah. like. So uh, we're going to take some staff with the rest again, and uh, we'll have some conversation again next time. But thanks for joining us. See you guys.